lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think here via the stevedace.com inbox. Merry Christmas to all of you, by the way. Email us, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And then you can look for me on places and platforms that don't practice any censorship, for example, today in order to relay a certain amount of news to you that I think on Facebook you need to see. I would prefer to not have to do this any longer, but... Unfortunately, 80% of Americans still have a Facebook account, and it is by far the social media uh, apparatus that most of you access us through the most. So I, I would like to eject on it, but I, I just can't. There's That's too much where too many of our people are. So every now and then you will see hashtag Facebook approved takes, and you will see it today associated with a story from independent journalist Kyle Becker, himself an Iowa native. He's been on the show before. He's going to be joining us in the overtime today to discuss that story. And then there's another story involving Ivermectin that I wanted to present to you as well via Facebook. But again, in order to uh, get this past the Facebook algorithm overlords, I had to put, you know, a bit of a spin on it that is not necessarily what I think. And I, you know, the little wink there is when I give you the hashtag Facebook approved takes, looking at the comments to that, it is clear that the vast majority of people commenting on this are not aware of what hashtag Facebook, Facebook approved takes means because you are angry and upset with me. Okay. <laughs> so somebody commented on the uh, very COVID Christmas saying, uh, yes. saying reason for the season is coronavirus. No, thank you. Yes. I think this is when I despair the most. Like, if we're going to get through all this, we need to understand the secret handshakes, guys. We just yeah, need no, to. no question. All right. I mean, and it's got to be a little more subtle than, you know, drawing a fish in the dirt in downtown Rome. Okay. I mean, um, <laughs> okay. All right. Facebook and Google have more spies than Nero did. All right. But we will nevertheless persevere. Uh, a good thing to do just to avoid all of this and no secret handshakes are needed. Just follow us instead on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter and eject on things like Facebook. Uh, you can also get clips of the show that are free to watch and also free of censorship over on Rumble. Watch us there, rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. You can also get high-class imported wine for about half the price with our friends over at Bonner Private Wine, perfect for a Christmas dinner or just to relax here over the holiday season, fantastic imported wines from Argentina. I think it's the third highest altitude vineyard in the world. About 9,000 feet these vineyards are deep within the Andes Mountains. Families that have done this for a couple of centuries now, so they know what they're doing. And boy, can we attest to that. These wines taste great. Great red wines. They come with a, a taste of a blackberry leather smoke, a little dark cherry. We've all tried them. We all love them. We can all personally attest to just how good these wines are. And if you want to try them for half the price today, you do not need a promo code whatsoever. You just need to go to uh, bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve, B-O-N-N-E-R, bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. Again, 
head over to bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. We have a jam-packed show for you today. At the bottom of the hour, my good friend, Congressman Chip Roy, will be joining us about why we need to shut the government down. Well, I mean, we, there's additional reasons. I mean, other than just on a daily basis why we think that. Okay, but there are a, there, there is an additional reason, and they are debating it right now within the Republican caucus. Because apparently it's up to the minority party to uh, keep things open for the majority or something, I guess. I, I, didn't we do all this during the Tea Party eras? Right. Well, and other times yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like we just, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. We're just re-racking this. But uh, my good friend Congressman Chip Roy will join us here at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, the OG of COVID pushback himself, Alex Berenson, will join us. He's got a brand new book out called Pandemia. Great title. And we will talk to him next hour. And then for Theology Thursday, a difficult question that I know a lot of you are wrestling with right now. When do you leave a church? And there hasn't like been an, like, like there's a couple of stipulations, right? An, an obvious false teaching, not a mistake, because I promise you, if you've done any amount of messages, done any amount of speaking, you have said something false because you would be human, correct? I mean, um, we aren't the oracles of um, the word of God. We are vessels of communicating it to others. So there's no way to avoid having committed an error or uh, some short-sightedness. No, it's obvious when there is an intentional attempt to deceive from the pulpit. That's an eject, right? That's an obvious one, mm-hmm. okay? When... There are certain practices that clearly violate what is considered uh, orthodoxy uh, within the scriptures. That would be another one. But then, so I don't need to answer. If that's what was going on here, I wouldn't be answering this email. This is a more subtle disturbance in the force, if you will. And so what could be a potential plumb line there? And I want to answer this question because I faced this exact same scenario myself. And so I, I just want to walk through the decision-making process that I made, and then you can ultimately determine for yourself if that's good for you, or you're like, yeah, that doesn't apply to my situation. Cool, because I'm not the oracle either. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I'm not here to, you know, outside of, you know, that's false. I'm not commodus here telling you when to come and when to go when it comes to a church, but I can certainly walk you through a decision-making process that I faced when faced with the exact same dilemma. So I will do that coming up in Theology Thursday later today. But before we get to all of that, of course, so that all righteousness may be fulfilled, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by day one of oral arguments. The Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the Dobbs case, which, if upheld, would effectively overturn Roe v. Wade. Just as Brett Kavanaugh ran down a litany of examples of precedent being overturned, that's a good sign. Even Chief Justice John Roberts remarked that the U.S. is in the same company as North Korea and China in terms of permissiveness of baby killing. But the justice who perhaps turned the most heads was Sonia Sotomayor, who had this to say. There are spontaneous acts by dead brain people. So I don't think that a response to uh, by a fetus necessarily proves that there's a sensation of pain 
or that there's consciousness. Yes, a Supreme Court justice in the United States believes that an unborn baby feeling pain does not prove that the baby is alive. Outside the Supreme Court building, other pro-baby killing advocates gleefully took abortifacients in front of cameras in a crowd. Keep away! The shower is mine! Whoops, wrong clip. Moving on, supposedly the first case of the Omicron variant, it's not the first case, was detected in the United States recently, a fully vaccinated individual in California. Dr. Anthony Fauci held a press conference at the White House yesterday, and he was in fine form, like with this question about the new regulation requiring all those entering the U.S. having to have a negative COVID test before crossing the border. Does that include everybody? The answer is yes, because you know that the new uh, uh, the new uh, uh, regulation, if you want to call it that, is that anybody and everybody who's coming into the country needs to get a test within 24 hours of getting on the plane to come here. But what about people who don't take a plane and just these border crossers coming in in huge numbers? You know, that's a different issue. Fauci's answer on what constitutes a full vaccination was also clear as mud. Employment and getting vaccinated, what is the definition? That will stay that way. For optimal protection, I'm talking about what your personal effort to be optimally protected. That's why I say we should all get boosters. Well, what about in terms of the mandate, like, you have a vaccine mandate. Right. Uh, at what point does the booster <coughs> become part of the mandate? Yeah, I can't answer that right now, but I know that for the time being, the official definition of fully vaccinated is two. White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain tweets, stronger COVID measures produce stronger economic outcomes. That's why jobs, growth, and economic activity are up this year, significantly over last year. An Illinois man who was on death's doorstep with COVID is on his way to a full recovery after court ordered the hospital where he was staying at to treat him with ivermectin. His daughter, who has a PhD, said she researched treatments with her father when her father became sick and concluded ivermectin would help. The hospital, however, would not administer it, which is when the case went to court. After the court order, the 71-year-old who was intubated was treated with ivermectin between November 8th and November 12th and was released from the hospital on November 27th. Checking in on Australia. Good morning. We start with breaking news out of Darwin, where three people have escaped from the Howard Springs COVID quarantine facility. Talia Sav is there for us. We've been told the trio scaled the fence in the early hours of this morning. Now, major police checkpoints have been set up around Howard Springs for the past several hours. As you can see in these pictures, they've been conducting thorough searches in car boots, checking vehicle registrations, cars and buses alike. But in the last half an hour, what we understand is they've actually been dismantled exactly why that hasn't been confirmed. Hopefully, good news. Switching gears, the Daily Wire's Matt Walsh had a speaking engagement at St. Louis University when not one but two venues on campus attempted to ban him from speaking. One venue was a Catholic church who told him his stances on sexuality and immigration don't square with Catholic teaching. He showed up to speak anyway at the campus, despite the mob outside. We now know the Women's Tennis Association has more testicular fortitude than the NBA. The WTA announced yesterday they'll be suspending all tournaments and events in China until the Chinese Communist Party shows proof that Chinese tennis star Peng Shuai is safe and unharmed. Peng has disappeared from the face of the planet since November 2nd when she accused a Chinese Communist official of sexual assault. And finally, Team Reality is really getting good at coming up with catchy tunes. I don't have it. Because I never get it. Because I don't want it. 
Because I don't trust you. Yeah, you still insist. I need a proof of vaccination to exist. And so the lies persist. But some of us can tell. And you bet we will resist. I hope you know it's plain to see. The pseudoscience you misuse on the TV. And all the power you abuse that keep the people confused and afraid. How is this still going on? This first been going for way too long. If you and blind, you can see that this is wrong. And I won't comply. I mean, no way, I may be wrong, and after all, I'm just a singer. But I'm not afraid to use my brain and middle finger. So go ahead and do your thing, but I'm not taking anything. These vaccine passports are a crime, and so I sing. Hell no, am I gonna get it? Hell no. H-E-L-L-N-O Do I trust the government? Hell no Do I comply? Hell no H-E-L-L-N-O And that's what happened while we were away. That's very well done. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Rough Greens. It is the supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food. And with that one little act... You have likely restored uh, the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that were taken out of your pet's food before it ever left the factory. For the same reason they do it to all the people food we eat these days. That's why we're taking so many supplements to put that stuff back into our bodies because we need it badly. But they take it out because it gets in the way of mass consumption and distribution of food these days. Well, thankfully now there is a supplement for your pet, but you might be wondering, how will I know if our dog is like yours, Steve Cap, and will love this stuff? Well, one way to find out is if we give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet for two weeks or less. The bag is on us. You'll pay for the shipping, but the bag, we pay for that. When you go to roughgreens.com, that's it. Just go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F is how they spell it, or give them a call at 833 833- Rough dog or roughgreens.com. To the montage we go. And I I want to ask you a question. And it's something that you and I have discussed privately and publicly within theological discourses hmm. and debates and discussions we've had as friends on this show for uh many years now. Okay. Yes. All right. Help me to understand. And just to reiterate, because, you know, we've had explosive growth of this show, okay? I'm the first person to jump in and stop people from the Protestant side of the street that I hail from, okay? From lobbying a bunch of anti-Catholic cliches as the reasons for um, why they don't go to Mass, right? And just, you'll back me up on that. More than that, one of the reasons you explicitly put me on the show is because... I'm Catholic. You right. said that. Because there's a large Catholic audience yes. to this program, and I think, you know, that it'd be good for them to hear somebody that comes from their perspective, yeah. and it would be good for people to hear a broad perspective coming to similar conclusions, right? Yeah. Okay. That all now is issued as a disclaimer. Help me to understand how is, what is the point of 
of, of a magisterium and all this history and all this tradition so that you can still call yourself a Catholic church and tell a, a Catholic like Matt Walsh that he is outside of church teaching by actually advocating what the church claims is orthodoxy. There's no diocese. There, there's no infrastructure. There's no oversight of that. Why is that still being permitted to operate as a Catholic church if it denies actual Catholic teaching? Help, help, us, to, help us to understand that, because I don't understand Can't. that. Can't. No good reason. And it gets worse. The, uh, the USCCB recently said, yeah, they're not going to— uh, This is the U.S. Conference of Catholic yeah. Bishops, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hold, uh, they decided that it was not time yet to w- withhold uh, communion uh, from President Biden. So it, it listen. This my I'll, I'll answer if you will allow me this way. Mm-hmm. A deacon friend of mine who is now a man, probably he, he's in, at least in his mid seventies, if not approaching eighty. He told me the simple truth of the matter is this is a forty years in the desert thing. My generation, which is the leadership class class of the church right now simply needs to die because we were so worked over by the 60s uh, and we got another thing going. And listen, when you believe, when you're a Catholic and you ultimately believe that what we believe about where the church was founded and where it goes, we can have that. That's a different discussion. Mm -hmm. But I think it's one that anybody who's honest understands where I'm coming from on that. You understand there's been a lot of peaks and valleys before within the church, uh, highs and the lows. So there's nothing new. That gives us comfort that we can ride, that we will get past this, can get past this. But it has it. it the way it's going to get past is unfortunately, short of uh, the kind of intervention that we talk about, spiritual revival, is this gener- generation of leadership simply needs to die. I don't know that I can add anything to that, so we will move on. In fact, it's a, it, a good follow-up is the scene that Aaron showed us in the montage that was that took place outside of the Supreme Court yesterday. With and, and by the way, did you guys notice women made a comeback? Uh, the term birthing units was not used very often yesterday. Did you guys notice that? I did notice that. The term woman made a comeback. We didn't hear much of the term birthing unit yesterday, but I digress. Can you um, imagine if Clarence Thomas would have used it? I would have oh. shaved off all all of my hair, See. donned a gown, walked walked the earth from here to Washington D.C. just so I could fall at yes. my knees in I his know. mere presence and say and bow before him and say, "Unworthy." We love you, Clarence, but missed opportunity there. Teach me your <laughs> ways, okay? That's what I would have done if he had done that. Okay, that's how. That would have been arguably the greatest freaking troll I know. of all freaking time right there. I know. At least at least by human hands anyway. Yes. Anyway, uh, we digress again. But the flaunting of this, okay, and you're sitting outside the Supreme Court. Just imagine this for a second. We wrestle on our side with the fact that we have deep convictions, but we have a lot. We have a we have a boatload of responsibilities, and for a lot of us, it's just not practical to turn this level of to turn our 
our convictions into a level of activism that takes away and deters from those responsibilities. And that's the challenge we're facing right now is we are in a season right now in our country's in our country's history arc that we're going to have to do that. Okay. That's what my new book is about. Do what you believe or you won't be free to believe it much longer. We are to everything. There is a time and a season Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes. And we are now in a time and a season, frankly. I mean, this is why I'm dude. I was just at Costco yesterday. Okay. Looking at things I don't need, but they were big and shiny. Okay. Pardon me. And I'm, but you know what? I'm totally okay with the fact, even as the ugly American, and even though the samples are now back, I am totally okay with the fact that if, 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 if a month from now, if I drive through a Costco parking lot, dude, and it's just freaking tumbleweeds in the snow and the place is boarded up because the supply chain is totally disrupted because it was done to protest this evil that they want to do with these vaccines that are not vaccines, but therapeutics, maybe. I don't even know the therapeutics now. I don't. I don't know what they are now. We we don't really know. Okay. I want you to write the fine print on all of their packaging. Yes. I, I don't know what they do. The I don't know what they are. Maybe, I I, I can't. I cannot actually quantify for you that they work on any level. I I couldn't. I can't tell you what their efficacy is any longer. I don't know what it is, and I don't know how I would answer the question. I I don't know, because I'd have to factor in the adverse side effect, the the true adverse side effect information as part of a risk-reward ratio with the, with the current CFR and IFR of COVID. And we do not know that. So I don't know how well they work. I mean, right now, I mean, right now, what was the state? I want to make sure I get it right. Is at an all-time high for hospitalizations? <clears throat> um, Rhode Island, where our buddy Dr. Andrew Boston lives. Okay? It's tied with Vermont for the most vaccinated state in the country. And right now, it's got the highest hospitalization rate for COVID in the U.S., Rhode Island does. So I don't know what they are. I I don't know. I just know what they want to do with them is evil. I know that. How well they, I'm I'm open for a discussion on how well they work. And that's part of what we'll get into in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash days. But I I have no idea how well they work. I, however, am not open for discussion in opposing the mandating of them because that is pure evil. And because we're facing things like this and, and we cannot trust the, I mean, Mitch McConnell, well, you know, or, what did he just say a few minutes ago? Well, you know, it's looking likely that the courts will, uh, uh, it, it will get rid of these mandates. So I don't think we have to shut the government down. Profiles and courage. Indeed. Mitch McConnell. You're, you're, we're not voting. Our, so so there, we have a choice here. If we don't, we can't vote our way out of this. And if you still think you can, I... You're, you're, go, you know what? Find out what's on Fox News right now. I can't help you if you think that, okay? You know, I mean, it, this, we're not for you. If you think you can just merely sit home and vote your way out of this, we're, I don't even know how you stumbled upon this or stuck around for 10 minutes. I, I mean, we're not for you. You can't, we cannot vote, merely vote our way out of this. We just can't. So then, if we can't merely vote our way out of this, and yet we have to find a way out of this, someone's got to do the, the heavy lifting around here, and guess who that's going to have to be? It's going to have to be us. And believe me, I want to enjoy the, 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 the samples at Costco, not see the place boarded up. I am the ugly American, guys. However, some things take precedence. 
And <clears throat> we're living at a time right now that we're going to have to put up with and be willing to be more uncomfortable than we've ever been before and more inconvenienced than ever before because this is going to require more of our direct activism and attention than ever before. And, and so consider the calculus we all have to make. Something's got to go then. If I'm going to devote this time to this activism, I got to take defer time away from something else, right? Mm-hmm. Time's the one thing that I'm making any more of, right? There's still only 24 hours in a day, right? Then imagine you have the time and the level of zealotry to journey to the U.S. Supreme Court in December. Now, it's somewhat nice for this time of year, granted, but you can't take that for granted, right? Mm-hmm. No. You journey there in December with winter looming into a region of the country that is the hot spot for COVID currently so that you can take abortifacients, pop them like low-dose aspirin. What can men do against such reckless, dumb zealotry? Not to mention... Australia has actually become the script from the movie The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Yeah, these are hey, these are voluntary camps. That's why you had to scale the barbed wire. Yeah. I see but you know we went to, we were at Disney about this time last year. They had barbed wire all over the place at the voluntary uh you know resort that we were staying at. Okay? I mean um there the, what that clip represents when we talk about demonic influence or cults Again, as Todd, you put it so eloquently yesterday, it is not rhetorical flourish, guys. We're meteorologists, man. We looked at the satellite imagery, looked at the, the cumulus clouds and the, and the barometric pressure and gave you a forecast based on objective data and observational information. It's not a rhetorical flourish. It's not for clicks. Although we will accept them because we do like to get paid. But it's observational truth that's void absent of reason void of truth it's malokian it's druid it's pagan it's the mob outside lot's house and it will not be negotiated with it will not be it 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 will not be satiated or accommodated it must be outright defeated and I'm, I hate to keep harping on this. I just look around. I don't know anybody else that's going to be doing that, though, except us. Imagine taking time. You, you're having a hard, you and I are having a hard time taking time out of our schedules to go and, and, and make a statement about not killing children to a Supreme Court judge who literally said on tape, that a, a thing experiencing pain is not a sign of life. That's, that, that's just not reasoned. That's not reasonable. Now imagine taking time out of your schedule to go pop abortifacients like low-dose aspirin on a Tuesday. You had nothing else to do. Nothing else to do but that. And you sat around and you thought, with everything else going on, there was nowhere on earth that you needed to be more than on the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court Tuesday morning in order to do that. 
That's the level of zealotry that we are up against. And unfortunately, I don't see a political party coming to bail us out. That's what we're going to talk to my buddy Chip Roy about here in a few minutes. He's trying to have these conversations behind the scenes. First of all, they're the majority. Why the hell is it our responsibility to vote to keep the government open? Number one is just as a principle, number one. But then number two, why would we fund the government that wants to commit these human rights violations, for lack of a better description, on our own citizenry? Why would we do that? And speaking of tumbleweeds, just kind of going through a ghost town, that's what it's like within the Republican caucus right now, okay? You can hear the wind whistling past the cactus. Not a soul in sight. So, they're not saving us, and you'll get a first-person testimony from Chip Roy, who's in on the meetings. He'll tell us in a couple of minutes how low the actual ranks of defenders go, okay? Then, ultimately, this falls on we, the people. We have to do this. The good news is we're doing it. We just need to keep up with it. Finish it. Go all the way. The more we show them these things are unenforceable, the less likely they will end up trying to actually enforce them. More in a moment. This Christmas season, make sure to grab the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, sometimes even better. I just had uh, one of the new chocolate vanilla cream Built Bars from Built Bar, the absolute greatest protein bar of all time, all of them covered in real chocolate, so many great flavors. They come out with new ones all the time. They just came out with white chocolate cheesecake for the holidays, for example. Uh, Try all of their flavors, not loaded with sugar, carbs, or calories, but absolutely loaded with flavor and the protein you're looking for. Snacking has never been better and healthier than with Built Bar, one of the official protein bars for the U.S. Olympic team earlier this year, by the way. Go to built.com if you want to buy your built bars today. Use the promo code of my last name, Dace, D-E-A-C-E, to get 15% off. 15% off when you use the promo code Dace when you go to built.com for built bar. Promo code Dace at built.com. So what exactly is going on on Congress in Congress right now, I should say, with the deadline looming to fund the government. You heard from Mr. Root and Branch, well, I think the courts will likely overrule this so we don't have to intervene and shut the government down. I don't think that's prudent, right? Because, you know, old Ditch, I mean, he's, he's you know, in hoc to government Root and Branch, right? He doesn't care about you and I. But one guy who has kind of become America's congressman, frankly, here in the last few months, and I'm not just saying it because he's my friend, but because he's kind of become the Ron DeSantis of the U.S. Congress here. Uh, Congressman Chip Roy from Texas uh, joins us again here on the program. It's good to see you, brother. Merry Christmas. How are you? How's the family? Yeah, thanks, man. Merry Christmas to you. We had a great Thanksgiving. Obviously, this is a season that I refuse to let the cynicism of Washington take away from it. It's a great time. Glad to see you all decorated out there. Uh, Hopefully this weekend, if I don't get stuck here and well, actually, I kind of want to be here if we can shut things down. But but if that doesn't occur and I get back to Texas, we'll be doing a lot of decorating this weekend. But uh, good to see you, man. 
So you want to shut the government down. Now, this is aside from all the reasons everybody watching and listening wants to constantly shut the government down anyway. Okay, but this is for an, an extra special reason, one which I happen to think is the worst attempt at imposing on American bodily autonomy in this country in about 150 years. Tell us about it, Chip. Yeah, well, it's interesting listening to the, uh, uh, you know, uh, questioning from the United States Supreme Court justices yesterday and all the conversations about bodily autonomy and liberty and so forth that the leftists were throwing at the court. When right now you've got the biggest assault on the American people in terms of freedom, in terms of personal autonomy that we've seen, I think, in our uh, country's history, at least as you look at it, as it uh, differentiates from slavery. Um, what we have right here is uh, the intrusion of the government by mandate into the ability of the American people to control their own health. You know that, I know that. You talk about it um, relentlessly, and thank you for that. But what's happening is the current leadership structure in Washington is doing what it always does, hunkering down and then hiding behind other uh, blockers, in this case, the court, right? So they're saying, oh, they've got all these wins out there now on the OSHA mandate, on the CMS mandate that was preventing our healthcare workers from being able to, you know, avoid getting a, a mandatory vaccine mandate. Uh, and so they're hiding behind these and saying that we don't need to have a government shutdown. You were uh, obviously making fun of uh, Leader McConnell uh, on that on the intro. Uh, and that's literally what's happening as we speak. Senator Mike Lee and a handful, I mean a very small handful in the Senate, are actually trying to hold the line, not offer consent when they try to consent to move the funding of government, uh, which expires tomorrow night at midnight. Today in the House, we will vote on a bill. Uh, they'll pass a rule and it'll pass, I hope on a party line vote, but I'm guessing there'll be some Republicans that will go with it. We'll pass it out of the House, go to the Senate, uh, we led an effort, the Freedom Caucus, and, and, and I worked hard on it, to encourage the Senate and encourage Mike Lee to hold the line and stand strong. Now, Mike is standing strong, but you've got no real support coming in from the leadership because they're hiding behind the courts uh, and saying that we don't need a shutdown. We'll solve this problem later. Now, here's the point. And I'm sorry for the filibuster. This is what Republicans do. One of the local uh, rags uh, Politico this morning said basically that, you know, this this uh, effort, they're going to have an amendment. They're going to force an amendment in the Senate and have a vote on the amendment. It'll be a cover vote for vaccine right. mandate. Yeah, right. But basically, they say it's like a procedural play. Right. And that's it. They're doing it literally just to do it. And that sums up the Republican Party. That's where your Republican Party is. And instead, they're not focused on the 13-year Army veteran in my district who's going to get discharged if we don't fight for him, or the nine-month-old pregnant nurse who's going to get discharged unless the courts hold the line on the CMS mandate, which we can't know for sure yet. All of these things are things Congress and its power in Article One could stop, but Republicans refuse to do it. They have the power to do it. They refuse to do it. This is a big signal for 2022. And we need to call out all of these losers for not standing up and fighting. Chip, help our audience understand. Why is it the role of the minority party in the Senate to pass the budget and the continuing resolution to fund the government that the opposition party is in total control over? Help us to understand how that even works in the first place. Well, in truth, what you just highlighted for your listeners 
is it's not the obligation of the minority party to help work with them, particularly a majority party that is trampling all over our rights right. every minute that we speak, not securing the border, abandoning $85 billion of assets in Afghanistan, refusing to actually have energy policy that will provide low-cost energy and instead begging uh, OPEC to release more and releasing stuff from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, saddling up to China, not holding them accountable. Okay, put all that aside, right? You've still got a government right now that is forcing American citizens to stick a needle in their arm or get fired. That is actually also telling entities to disregard court injunctions against yes. these attempts. They're literally telling people, hey, ignore the fact that the courts put the injunction and, and put it on your people anyway. They're doing that, too. And, yeah. And by the way, corporations, we know this from people involved in litigation, corporations and their boards are in cahoots and constant uh, communication with the White House on how to try to continue to push down this line and force their workers into getting more vaccine, man, uh, you know, more vaccinations. To your point, though, Republicans don't have an obligation to fund a government that's doing all of that. More than that, we actually have an obligation not to. But what Republicans are going to do is vote significantly against the CR for the reasons we've talked about. But then they're going to say they're done. Well, we did our job. We voted no. Now, not all of them will vote no in the end. You watch. But so the majority of them vote no on the CR. And they walk home and they tell the constituents, man, we got to beat those Democrats. We got to go home and we got to go raise money. You know why? We got to take back the House. We got to take back the Senate. What is taking back the House or taking back the Senate going to do for the veteran who loses his job mm -hmm. tomorrow mm -hmm. or for the nurse who gets fired tomorrow or the friend of mine who teaches at a university who's facing getting fired from teaching tomorrow or all those who have Nothing. already been fired for that matter right yeah. exactly and look with all due respect mitch mcconnell doesn't care the leadership over here doesn't care all they care about all they care about is getting back in power because then then see they'll save the republic don't you know or wait or will they or will they next year if given the reins again then what will they do steve they'll hide behind 60 votes hell Chip, we don't have 60 votes in the Senate. We can't possibly get that done. There's always an excuse, always an excuse to stand with a side of government and tyranny over the people. This is all these are all the same conversations we had when you were in Senator Cruz's office about shutting the government down over Obamacare. These are all the yep. same conversations we had after the Tea Party waves in the Obama years. And Boehner could not get the, the, the budget funded out of Congress. And so we needed Democrat votes, uh, even though he had the majority. How many bills did he pass with Democrat votes to actually uh, sustain the very agenda that he was put in power to oppose? So really nothing has changed. Absolutely nothing has changed. This has been going on for a couple of decades now. Yeah, well, this is the way of this town. Now, to your point, we've known that. So we can sit here and grouse about it. Uh, the reason President Trump was popular was because he took on this town. Uh, I believe the reason that some of us are actually popular and have people wanting to get behind us. Do you know how many people pull me aside in the airport, Steve? People I don't know. And I guess I got a recognizable ugly mug. And they say, hey, thank you for fighting for me. Thank you for being up there doing what you said you would do. Do you know how many people in the Capitol that work at the Capitol? Uh, maybe they're in law enforcement. Maybe they're working in the you know, bowels of the, the building, uh, you know, helping us keep that building function who pull me aside and they say, just just keep fighting, keep standing for us. You know how many women pull me aside 
and say thank you for fighting not to draft our daughters. It happens all the time. It happens every day because the American people are sick and tired of people who come up to this town and then just go along to get along. Mm-hmm. Do you know how many Republicans right now are fully walking away from the fight on drafting our daughters because they listen to the garbage of people saying, oh, it'll never happen. Oh, oh, don't worry. That's not going to happen. They're not going to draft our daughters or, well, if they draft our daughters, they'll just put them, you know, behind the scenes. They won't put them in a foxhole. Foxhole. That's complete and utter horse manure. Okay. And any man who says that he's going to vote for any bill that is going to draft my daughter is not on my team. Any member of this body, any member of the Senate, they're not on my team. I will not support them for any office. What do you want our audience to do? How can they help? Yeah, you know, uh, I remember about a decade ago, our, our friend Eric Erickson, and uh, we one time, he, he called on his audience to mail uh, literally balls to uh, Mitch McConnell's office. It was one of the funniest things that I've ever seen unfold in terms of constituents and, and activists engaging. But let me just say this, like burn the phones down, y'all. Call your members of Congress, call your senators, tell them to get engaged and demand that Republicans actually stand up and fight. Quit hiding that there is no business, no business whatsoever for any Republican, any Republican to vote for any funding of government when that government is forcibly getting their constituents, the American people fired from their jobs if they don't get a vaccine uh, stuck in their arm that they don't want to get, that's not necessarily in their interest when they talk to their doctor. No Republican should vote to fund a government that is forcing people to get a vaccine or get fired. And no Republican should vote for any legislation that adds our daughters, 18-year-old girls, to a draft without so much as a debate, discussion whatsoever. And I want everybody out there, if you hear this, let your members of Congress and senators know this and hold them accountable. Hold me accountable. Hold us all accountable. But that's the only way we're going to take this country back uh, is from the grassroots up. One final question, brother. Have you asked them what would be the thing that would we would say this is no longer a legitimate government to fund? What would it be? What would it be then? And just see what there, the answer to that no, question is. What, what, what would it be? Yeah, I have pressed that before, Steve, and said, what would it take? What would it finally take for you to say, oh, well, yeah, I shouldn't fund this government? Would it be a Department of Defense? that is teaching our members of the military about climate change, diversity, and woke politics? Would it be an education system teaching our children that America's evil and teaching about CRT in the classroom? Would it be uh, a military brass that left $85 billion in Afghanistan? Would it be Mayorkas and the Department of Homeland Security that is allowing thousands of people to come across our border, not enforcing the law, failing to faithfully execute the law? Or would it be HHS limiting our ability to get monoclonal antibodies in Texas or in instituting through the Department of Labor or Department of Labor with OSHA, forcing businesses to shut down or demand that their employees get a jab or get fired. Would any of those things rise to that level? Because all of those things are happening right now. Hmm. All of those things are true right now. The continuing resolution will fund the very uh, organ, the very bodies that are conducting this stuff. Where's the, uh, I've got the amount here somewhere. The um, of what we're funding in terms of uh, OSHA, uh, OSHA received an appropriation of five hundred ninety-one million dollars in fiscal year twenty twenty-one. Steve, a continuing resolution would continue funding at that level. Don't forget 
that the Build Back Better Biden BS, you know, legislation that passed the House last week would increase OSHA penalties from 70,000 to 700,000 for repeat offenders. Your Republicans are funding that. Call them out for it. Texas Congressman Chip Roy, good to see you, brother. Thank you for keeping up the fight and what you're doing. All right. Take care. God bless you, Steve. God bless your family. Merry right. Christmas, my friend. Same to you, brother. Take care. Thank you. All right, guys, any thoughts on that? <clears throat> well, when he said, he nailed it, the people who said it's it's not going to come to that. The, the fact that people can, it's one thing if they had that three years ago. I, who are you and what is wrong with you? If you can, if you still think that that is the way of things, that the, the common sense sooner or later thing sanity has to prevail it that it, it does not the opposite is true and that's actually what we're supposed to understand about our faith chaos <clears throat> is exactly what we can expect <clears throat> unless we pursue the the spiritual truths of the gospel there is no such thing as common sense anymore once we have forsaken that common sense is sort of like a a filtering down a default that a christian people ultimately uh can rely upon but you put it on uh, autopilot for too long and it's gone common sense equals chaos in these days you got to get that and you got to get it now I, you know i when we talk about what's going on with congress and in washington dc you know, there's a few times where I think, well, what could one congressman do or one senator do? And the answer is very little. But there's a heck of a lot if there were actually actually a group of a large contingent of people who supposedly represent us who would just act as a wedge. But we can't even get we can't really even get that on most issues on most issues. And so I'll just admit I, I just kind of tune out. They're gonna they're gonna keep screwing us. They're gonna keep screwing you and me. And as we've talked about over and over, and this is how you preview this conversation, Steve, which is, um, it's up to us. They're they're the the the, the, the cavalry is is not coming here. It's not coming. It's up to us to make red states as red as they've ever been, red communities as red as they as they've ever been. That is on us. Because these guys just don't give two rips and uh, fill in the blank about you or your liberty. So get that in your head and then start working in your own community. Amen. Alex Berenson will join us next about his new book, Pandemia, when we, when we return. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. You can access that by emailing us, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also look for us on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter. And look for clips of the show that you can watch for free, which are also free of censorship over at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Thanks to all of you 
And there's a lot that listen to the podcast version of this program. You are a huge uh, you're a huge factor in this show's explosive growth over the last couple of years. If you've not yet done so, though, uh, and you are a podcast listener, please hit the subscribe or follow button, whatever applies in your podcast universe. Also, leave us a five-star review because those things help the show to grow, and we want to thank the thousands of you that have done each of those things for us already. Also want to let you know you've got about 360 joints from the top of your neck down your back, all the way through your hips, knees, and feet. Plenty of places, especially as we get older, where inflammation can seep in and cause what's known as chronic pain. Now, chronic pain is not, hey, I fell off a ladder uh, yesterday. That's an injury. Chronic pain, you can get that treated, please. Chronic pain is that lingering soreness and achiness that just doesn't seem to go away. Chances are that's from too much inflammation in the body, and those things get more problematic the older we get. That's why if you are looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by over three decades of clinical research and also backed by the last going on two years of my own personal testimony of daily usage, then I would urge you to check out Omega XL. And right now, if you want to take advantage of it, they're offering buy one bottle, get a second one for free. When you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve, again, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or just simply give him a call at 800-844-4888. Well, he is the OG of the COVID stand resistance, and he's got a brand new book out. It is called Pandemia. How Coronavirus Hysteria Took Over Our Government Rights and Lives. It's become a bit of a friend of the show here over the last year and a half. Alex Berenson, the author and the independent journalist, joins us again here on the program. It's good to see you, Alex. How are you, man? Steve, it's great to be on with you. So, Alex, let's start with the subtitle and just go right to that. How? How did this all happen, Alex? Well, uh, you know, I think we're still sorting that out. Um, you know, I was very happy to have the book come out because I think it's come out at an important moment. You know, we're two years in, but there's a lot we still don't know, you know, about how this coordinated response, you know, it with the media, with public health, with academia, uh, you know, with government all came out. Uh, you know, at the same time, I think uh, I think we do know uh, that it was more than just about Donald Trump. I mean, clearly in the, in the United States, the media viewed this as a very, uh, the COVID and the hysteria around COVID as a way to punish Donald Trump and, and hurt his reelection chances. But that doesn't explain why this happened all over the world. Um, and you don't, you know, you don't really have to be a conspiracy theorist to see this and to see the language that, you know, that's used similarly everywhere and the, you know, sort of the pressure campaigns used everywhere. Uh, and right now we're seeing with the with this new variant, how, you know, all over the world, they, you know, Europe has put travel bans in place. We're hearing how this is a good reason to get a vaccine booster. Yet at the same time, the, you know, the vaccine may not work against this, this sort of the profound uh, illogic that just if we repeat it enough, maybe people will uh, will buy into it or just give up on trying to argue with us about it. So so the long story short is I think we're still. Um, you know, sorting out how this happened, much less why this happened. But we know that the that the media's failure, and I would say journalism's failure, to ask hard questions and to be, uh, you know, to be the watchdogs that we're supposed to be, played a big part in this. What was your, ah, uh, hell no, someone's got to call BS moment on this. I will tell you what it was for me. It was the night of March sixteenth when the Imperial College survey that was the original impetus for all of this 
was was released to the public after they had shown it to several governments and heads of state. And reading through it a second time, and I come, you know, you come from uh, the world of investigative journalism. I come from the political activism world. I've worked on campaigns. I've done data analysis. I've done studies and polling. And so I know how this all works. And I know I can spot an incongruency when I see one. And it was clear this thing was a living, breathing fallacy. Even before you got into who was funding this, what was the true agenda behind it, things of that nature. It was just a fallacy on a on a on an algorithmic level. And so that was kind of it for me, reading that through the second time. Uh, when once the emotion of what they claimed wore off, and now you're just reading it clinically, that's sort of when the scales came off my eyes and the pushback really began actively for me. But what about for you? Well, you beat me by about ten days. Um, I, you know, the report definitely made me nervous. Uh, and, and, you know, and as I reread it, and I do mention this in Pandemia, I noticed the big uh, age gaps that were not really being discussed, but still things, you know, things were scary and New York State was shutting down and there was talk about the hospitals being overrun. I would say the skills came off my eyes when Neil Ferguson essentially completely walked back the conclusions from the report. Mm-hmm. And he did that just 10 days later in testimony to the British government. And it wasn't just that he changed the numbers so much. It was that the media simply ignored that he changed them mm-hmm. so much. And, you know, and I say this in the book, I think, I think, you know, I think for those of us who paid close attention to this, uh, the Imperial College report and Ferguson are incredibly important. Um, you know, they provided the academic justification for lockdowns. And so the fact that Ferguson then walked it back was a huge deal. And but the fact that the media simply ignored it. And then when I pointed it out on Twitter, and that was really the first time that I became at all, you know, sort of prominent in this uh discussion because Elon Musk retweeted me and Donald Trump Jr. retweeted me and the conservative, you know, uh, both conservatives and sort of anti-lockdowners took notice of me as somebody who was a journalist who was saying this. The journalistic establishment circled the wagons and told me I was an idiot, Uh, you know, something and that, you know, and that I didn't know what I was talking about and that I wasn't following the science and all this stuff that has been, you know, basically for the last now 20 months has been said about me. And uh, so, yeah, you beat me by about 10 days, Steve. How did we go since you come from that world of establishment media? And, you know, prior to the Trump era, I did probably about 50 appearances on MSNBC or CNN. You know, I, I tripped Gabriel at The New York Times. Maybe you worked with him and others at, at The Washington Post. I see Nia Henderson on CNN. I used to talk to these people all the time and be kind of a conservative that would be a source for them in stories. You know, so I, I had, you know, some level of relationships within that sort of mainstream or left of center media world. And and I, when did when, when did this these people decide? Where the I, I kind of wanted to bring back the class warfare rhetoric that that righties like me hated for so long. When did they decide to just rip and read Pfizer press releases and become uh, you know wholly sanctioned PR firms for a company called Moderna that had failed nine previous attempts to bring a product to market before we ever knew what a coronavirus was? When, when did they just become mouthpieces for corporate America like this? Um, I, I think that's a great question, and I think it predates COVID. I think, you know, it was the night, uh, election night uh, 2016 was when that happened. Uh, you know, Trump derangement syndrome is real. The media, I think, broadly could not believe that Trump won. Uh, you have that, uh, I can't remember who it was, but one of my old colleagues at the Times famously saying that she cried uh, when Hillary Clinton lost. And, uh, you know, I think the media decided that getting rid of Donald Trump by any means necessary was the most important uh, thing it could do for the country. Um, and that's obviously, uh, was a huge mistake. It 
uh, you know, I understand that covering Trump was very difficult. Trump, you know, Trump certainly is fast and loose with the truth. And, you know, he's a braggart and he's a lot of things that, you know, I as an independent voter don't like. But but the media is not really, at least in the, in the American system in the last 50 to 75 years, it's supposed to be broadly neutral. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it dropped. I mean, or that's the that's what it's been. I won't say supposed to be, but that's what it's been. And um, and it sort of dropped any uh, any adherence to that, uh, that standard. And we're seeing the price right now. We're seeing with covid because covid was bad for Trump. It's very, very clear. I write about this in pandemia. It, you know, the, the 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 epidemic and the way Trump handled it were bad for him and his reelection chances. Um, the media became. Uh, you know, convinced that it had to make things as bad as possible, look as bad as possible, and, you know, wouldn't question things like school closings, because, you know, once Trump said that the schools should be open, well, you know, then the schools had to remain closed. And I think everyone practically has realized what a disaster that was and what a mistake that was. And now we've seen it with the vaccines. And and my joke, but it's not really a joke, is from my point of view as somebody who has questions about these vaccines, and again, I'm not saying that no one should take them. I'm not saying that, you know, they contain nanoparticles or any of this nonsense. I have questions about the clinical trials, how quickly they were conducted. I have questions about the side effect data that we have seen that's been reported that, you know, and I have questions about their efficacy and their, you know, their long-term effectiveness. From my point of view, as somebody who's raised these questions and, you know, been beaten, you know, roundly and kicked off Twitter for doing so, um, you know, as I talk about in pandemia, uh, the worst thing that could have happened was Trump losing, because if Trump had won, he would have embraced the vaccines. You know, they, they were his great victory. Warp mm-hmm. speed was his great victory. And then the media would have asked many more hard questions about them. Instead, Biden embraced them. And that meant that there could be no questions asked about them. I think you have rightly deduced the domestic political situation surrounding this. But as you alluded to a few minutes ago, this is not necessarily the situation going on in Austria and Germany that are announcing, uh, you know, frankly, they're, we're, we're just one yellow band short of repeating history in, in, a, in those two countries. We've got Asian countries who have been up against coronaviruses for, for many, many decades. And despite, you know, uh, a zealous level of masking and everything else, going right back into lockdowns, completely forgetting any science and how do we explain this on a, the Netherlands now going back into this again? Uh, even countries like Denmark, who have been good and transparent about their data in ways our own CDC is not, buying right back into the witch doctory. How do we explain this aside from Trump? How does this become, has it become a global phenomenon, Alex? Yeah, that is a great question, Steve. And, and, and I wish I had the answer. You know, I wish I could tell you. Either it's just incompetence or, you know, it's just a conspiracy and it's being run out of some, you know, canton in Switzerland that the WEF controls. I I, I don't know. I don't think it's either of those things. Um, You know, the best explanation is that for what's happening in Europe is that Europe, you know, Europe is older than the United States. I mean, I mean, the population is older. Um, It's sort of culturally more conservative in many ways than the United States, which, uh, you know, we sort of don't recognize. uh, But 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 it actually is. And it's more fearful, right? I mean, that's why, you know, all the big, you know, companies of the last 50 years come out of the United States and not Europe. Europe is sort of backward looking, uh, you know, it's suffering from a baby bust. Um, And so, uh, you know, I think they are more scared than they should be of the virus. Uh, 
But but why, you know, why that's led to these, you know, drastic restrictions at a time when it should be obvious to everyone that the vaccines simply don't work that well and that forcing them on people, uh, you know, is a giant step backward for civil liberties, you know, not just in the United States, but the West. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure yet. I, 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 I think we will get an answer over time. I don't think we have it yet. I've observed there are two constants since March of 2020. And I want to get your take on them, Alex, if you agree, disagree, or even want to, you know, add to it. First, um, whatever you cannot say on Facebook or Twitter right now about this or this story or the vaccines or the origin of the virus will be proven true probably within three to nine months later. Okay, that's number one. Uh, And then number two, no control groups. I mean, last year for lockdowns, after, I mean, I, I, we would debate for decades in this country with lefty blue chuck marks. We got to become more like Sweden. And suddenly it was Sweden, wrecked them, barely knew them. Okay, so there can't, no control group. Sweden's got to be memory hold on, can't have a control group on lockdowns. Now it's the, it's the unvaccinated. We can't have a control group on vaccines. Okay, now it's then, and then early treatments. Okay, so we had, there was a story out of uh, Illinois where a woman who's a Ph.D. went to the hospital and said, hey, my dad's on his deathbed. I have no idea if ivermectin works or not. I've seen, you know, I've seen contradictory data. Could we just try something rather than watch him die? The hospital made her take them to court to try it. And then he ended up actually getting better and walking out of the hospital. And they want to sue back. They want to counter sue because apparently it was terrible for him to survive. Okay. Over and over again, anything that provides observational truth or an objective outcome, that's what, and that's what control groups do. Without a control group, you don't have science. You have a lot of other things, but science you don't have. Do you agree or disagree with those two? Well, I certainly agree that, you know, over and over again, the stuff that has been uh, uh, censored has proven correct. Um, you know, uh, most notably and incontrovertibly, the lab leak stuff, right? So you couldn't even talk about lab leak last year. You couldn't talk about the obvious fact that this virus didn't seem to be like anything else in nature and that it had emerged from this giant Chinese, you know, this giant Chinese city that had the center of, uh, you know, virology research in China. You, you weren't even allowed to say that. And now I think, um, you know, it's funny uh, when, I, when I'm doing these interviews for Pandemia, um, people are barely even talking about the lab leak stuff because I think everybody more or less agrees right. that's probably what happened. I mean, we don't even have to debate it anymore. Uh, you know, I mean, there's sort of still this sort of hardcore virologists who want to pretend that, you know, they're going to find the magic civet that where this actually came from. But, you know, we're, uh, it doesn't look like it. Um, and so, uh, so, you know, and then we and, and there's another question sort of going back a step as to, you know, why there was this desperation among, you know, Peter Daszak and other people to show that there was this potentially risky, uh, you know, coronavirus out there for years before, you know, one actually emerged. Um, I mean, you know, obviously SARS and MERS were risky, but both both dangerous and transmissible. But putting that aside, so yes, I certainly agree with you. Um, you know, stuff that has been blocked has often proven to be correct and not, you know, not 10 years later, but as you say, three to nine months later. Um, yeah, in terms of the control group, I, I guess I agree with that too. I mean, uh, you know, Sweden faced tremendous international pressure not to follow the course they did. Ron DeSantis was accused of being a, uh, you know, a, a basically everything short of a cannibal 
um, uh, for, you know, wanting to keep his state open. And, uh, you know, to me, to me, DeSantis is as much as there's a hero in this in the United States. DeSantis stood up to the pressure. And by the way, Florida's had a lot of deaths of coronavirus, but it is in no way. I mean, it's got a very elderly population. It's in no way clear that anything anybody else, if it had had Andrew Gillum been governor of Florida, I think we would have seen exactly the same result in terms of deaths. And we would have seen many, many more of the same problems in terms of, you know, school closures and everything else that other, you know, that other blue run states have seen. So, so yeah, you're right. Like the, the, the powers that be have wanted every political jurisdiction, you know, at the state level, the country level, the city level to follow the same path. And again, I think that, you know, the, the question that we should be asking now is why? And, and I don't know the answer to that. Let's talk about the vaccines for a few seconds. And I, kind of did an open dialogue with myself that I let the audience listen in here a few days ago where if where I where I posited the question if someone came to me and said can you objectively prove the effectiveness and efficacy of these vaccines and I walked myself through that process and realized I could not answer that question one is I I don't really truly know what the adverse uh, adverse effect risk you know to reward ratio is and without without a true handle on that I have no plumb line right because there is obviously a trade off here and maybe it's great I don't know you know most of what we see with adverse effects even though now we we got the first five hundred pages from the the EAU came out last night but most of what we see from adverse effects are self reported in the database so. Uh, without a true handle on that, I don't know, especially because their most effective period of time was between the seasonalities, after the winter seasonality in the north, and then before the sunbelt seasonality in the south in the summer, and which coincided with the ascension of the Delta variant here in the U.S., and so now you see states like Rhode Island tied with Vermont for the most vaccinated state in the country has the highest COVID hospitalization rate, as we sit here today on December the 2nd. I, I don't know how I would answer how effective they are, even on a therapeutic basis, how I could possibly calculate that with the data that they provide us aside from their own press releases. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, I wish I could tell you you're wrong. Here, here's what I would say. Let's pull back one one step, Okay. Uh, nearly the entire Western world uh, has gotten the advanced, you know, the, the, either the mRNA or in Europe, there's been more use of the AstraZeneca, which is a DNA vaccine. But, but all over the United States, all over Europe, tons of vaccination, right? In Europe especially, it's near universal adult vaccination. Okay, we are a year into this. This year, there are more deaths from COVID in the United States than there were last year. There are more deaths in Europe um uh and and you know you can't even just say oh well that's because there are a lot of deaths you know in january and february before the vaccines were rolled out or as they were being rolled out although that's true there were a lot of deaths then right now countries in central europe are seeing off the charts uh you know covid infections okay so there is something wrong with the vaccines in terms of their ability to prevent transmission and infection whether or not they prevent severe disease and death. And frankly, there's a lot of confounding in those numbers too. In other words, there's a lot of hidden bias in the in that most people who are elderly, really elderly, who don't get the vaccines probably are too sick to receive them. There's 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 evidence of that. So okay, so so that's about COVID. But let's pull back even one step further. And this is something I've talked about with on Tucker Carlson and literally no one else, no other serious journalist in the United States seems to want to discuss this. 
all cause mortality in countries like the UK, in countries like Germany, where there's good data available, and even in the US where our data is not as good, it's slower to arrive, and it's more confounded by lots of, you know, by, by uh, frankly, by our, our terrible drug overdose death problem. Um, all cause mortality is now higher than normal, and I'm excluding COVID deaths from that, and it's rising mm -hmm. in those countries. Mm -hmm. And we do not know why. Now, it is possible to come up with explanations that don't include vaccine cause mortality. The number one one would be, well, there were a lot of people out there who got, you know, who should have had health care and who didn't have health care, you know, last year, they were afraid to go to the doctor, or they were afraid to go to the hospital, and so their cancer spread or they had heart disease, and now we're seeing the effects of that. The problem with that theory is that deaths were down in the spring, okay? Right. So, so, so what happened between the spring and now that deaths went from being below normal to above normal? Well, vaccines happened. Now, again, it is impossible at this point, and I want to be clear about this, I am not a conspiracy theorist, and I do not go beyond the data. It is impossible to know that the vaccines cause this. It is impossible to draw a direct line. But the trends in all-cause mortality are really concerning. So one year into this mass vaccination campaign, unlike any we've seen in human history, deaths are up in many countries, and we have done seemingly nothing to stop COVID transmission and infection. So what are we doing and why are we so desperate to get people boosted at this point? To me, there's only two options to, to the dilemma that you have, uh, that you have prompted here, Alex. One is that um, some form of leaky vaccine, antibody dependent enhancement, Merrick's disease phenomenon. The other is that the mutation, the further mutation of this virus rendered these things basically obsolete. Um, and when we needed them the most, um, they actually can't perform. And now you're on a you're on an installment plan of boosters. Who knows how when when you're never truly fully vaccinated now, you'll just be kidding. And, you'll, and, and every time we put these things into human beings, we multiply the adverse effects uh, risk ratio because we're doing it over and over and over again. Who knows? Every six months, maybe it'll be soon. Every six weeks, by this, by you know, the middle of next year. Who knows? It's it's one of those two or a combination thereof. I mean, could it be a third option? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, the, the option we you haven't mentioned is that the vaccines are in some way directly uh, dangerous. Probably, you know, uh, in terms of their cardiac risk, that mm -hmm. there's a mechanism of cardiac damage that we are, you know, we we haven't elucidated yet. Um, uh, I mean, look. It is still possible that that you know that this signal is false or not false. It's a real. The deaths are real, but that they are not vaccine caused. But here's what we know. All right, the promises made last year about the vaccines have not come true. What, yeah, I'm talking about last year at this time when the trial results were announced, and uh, and you know we did rush these. I mean, rush them is barely even begins to talk about it. Warp speed was a real thing. We moved these faster. Uh, you know, than than any really any therapeutic that I can ever remember. Remember, I worked at the New York Times covering the drug industry. I can never remember anything remotely like this. Um, and so, but by the way, like pandemia is not again. It's mostly not about the vaccines. It's mostly about how we got. You know, what happened last year, and then the last few chapters are about hey, the vaccines were the promise of ending this, and they have failed to do that. And here's what we now know. I think, you know, unfortunately for me or, or fortunately, I'm going to have to write another book that's more focused on the vaccines. But, you know, I, I think these broader issues about 
again, about media groupthink, about big tech censorship, about sort of public health promises made and unkept, um, you know, that those those are certainly worthy of a book. And, and hopefully I've written, you know, hopefully Pandemia is a good book. Name of the book, Pandemia, How Coronavirus Hysteria Took Over Our Government, Rights and Lives by the one and only Alex Berenson, man who has done the Lord's work here in the last couple of years for sure. God bless you, man. Appreciate you. Merry Christmas to you and your family and for everything you've done. Okay. Have a great holiday season. Thanks, Steve. You bet. Keep it up. Get some comments on that conversation here in a moment. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at Patriot Mobile. More and more Patriots need to stick together because more and more it becomes obvious. We were just having this conversation with Alex. I mean, uh, big corporations uh, and uh, the media, but I repeat myself, are really against our values, against transparency, against freedom. And so when you have an opportunity to do business with a company that does align with your values and there's no real drop off in service, take full advantage of it. Our family recently made the switch to Patriot Mobile. We get the same signals that we would have gotten, the same coverage we already got, the same packages we already had, because they pretty much all have the exact same offers. It's just a matter of Patriot Mobile's the one company because they share your values that doesn't take the money you give them and then use it against you. And right now, you can get a free month of service with the offer code Steve to get you started. That's until December the 5th, so later this week, all right? So up until later this week, December the 5th, get a free month of service with the offer code Steve. When you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve to make the switch like our family did. Patriotmobile.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. All right, thoughts on the conversation we just had with Alex Berenson. You know, when we all look back on this, if we still have a country worth having, you know, this book is going to be like Isaiah in the Bible, of books, you know, right there, at, like you said, this isn't even, I'll have to write another book, but this is really about all of the ways, even largely before vaccination, that we dropped the ball, lied to ourselves, we're fooled, whatever. It's it's my line it, it from Isaiah. Where would you yet be struck? It's just this lamentation of how in the hell did this happen? And I love how you started. Like, what was your, oh, hell no moment? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, more and more people... Like, when did you know something smelled rotten in the state of Denmark here? Yeah, when did you know? Yeah, and that's what, you know, again, from the beginning, and like you said, I I love how honest and candid he's been, you know, I was 10 days later than you, Steve, um, but a lot of us have had these moments from the very beginning, uh, and we don't say we told you so uh, just for uh, snark. There's certainly some in that, but it's like, this was... He said, yes, it was scary in the beginning. We we haven't dealt with this as a people here, the people that are living. But it was, we did not need to be this easily fooled if we really, really wanted to be the people of reason that we're supposed to be. And I think this is the breadcrumbs throughout this book that he's showing you. You know, you guys got fooled. You don't need to be suckers, but you seemingly wanted to be. Because they're just re-racking the same playbook over and over again. You look at the headlines that have emerged in the last uh, almost week now. Actually, it has been a week since Thanksgiving where Omicron was everything and anything and uh, all the things to all people. I mean, it was just all over the place on Thanksgiving and this weekend as well. You look at some of the headlines, you look at the framing, you look at all of these things, and guys, the Great Reset is happening. No, not that great reset. The great reset 
of the entire pandemic, not of the world, which is still going on. It's like March 2020 over again, all over again. Mm -hmm. They're going to keep running this playbook over and over and over again until a vast majority of people say, just say no, just say no. And I don't know how many more, how many more reachable people there really are that will have their oh hell no moment. Maybe, maybe it's the uh, regardless of vaccination status policies that will still be pushed through. Maybe it's that. I don't know how many more reachable people there are. We're going to find out, though, because the spirit of the age can't stop and won't stop, as we've talked about ad nauseum. Like I just got this email from a woman named Megan Brock. I haven't even read it, but I love the title. My county commissioners legit hate me and your show is partially to blame. Good. Yep. That, that, that's exactly the response you we're mm-hmm. looking for. That's what the answer is us means right there. Yes. We'll come back with Theology Thursday next. Today's Theology Thursday is brought to you by a great new book that we're actually going to be profiling next week for one of our evergreens when I am visiting the set in Oklahoma City for the Nefarious Plot film. One of the evergreens uh, that we will have next week will be an in-depth look at what we call in uh, theology eschatology or the study of the end of time. All right, the study of the end of days. And if you want to get a heads up on that conversation, uh, check out the book by our guest for that conversation, Douglas Cobb. Uh, He wrote a great new book called Then the End Will Come. And what I like about his approach is he is, like us, knowledgeable layman. And so, I mean, it's it's rock-solid work from his particular eschatological viewpoint, but it is written with accessibility for just about anybody to understand because he's not coming from an academia or seminarian background. So if you want to check out this book right now, just go to the website and then the end will come.com and then the end will come.com. You can also find it on Amazon if that's easier for you. I know there's a, I know though a bunch of you would prefer not to give your money to Amazon and I'd prefer you didn't have those options. But unfortunately, again, 83% of every book in America is sold there. But in this case, you can get it directly from him at andthentheendwillcome.com and get it now and you're ready to go for the conversation that uh, we'll have with him on the show with one of our evergreens next week. So let's get to Theology Thursday. Really quick, since yeah. you mentioned uh, the filming, is there any really cool day one nugget of any kind, just a smidge of detail that you had relayed ba- back to you? I mean, you got to give some drippings to the poor over here. I mean, just anything, <laughs> anything. I'm trying to think of what I could tell you, though, that doesn't spoil anything or say something we don't want to say yet. Oh, okay? nothing about this. Just like yeah, some yeah, 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 what we, totally fringe anything. Yesterday's day one of filming took place, began at Granite State Prison in Oklahoma, which is a maximum security prison still active in the state of Oklahoma. So... That's that's where the first day of filming was. I'll take anything. And it's a pretty cool looking prison, by the way. You know, I, when yeah. when Star Wars came out and we thought it had the hope of being good and they used to just like release like blurry, grainy right. pictures that may have been a Jedi or like, they're like, oh, yeah. tell me more. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just am anything. I, am yeah. I allowed to say that you've shown us some pictures of the set? 
Yeah, you can say that. We're not putting yeah. them out publicly. Not putting them out publicly. No. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I've, I've let you guys. Guys, say it's really cool. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's super cool. Yeah. All right, let's get to theology Thursday, yes. and I want to just quickly reiterate the disclaimer I mentioned at the top of the show. I'm not a prophet. I'm not an apostle. I <laughs> I would settle for most days just being um, a credible disciple. Okay. I don't hold any specific station. I'm just a dude that got into broadcasting, got converted after I got into this business and has sort of, you know, walked through a conversion and sanctification process with all of its ups and downs and uh, trips and falls live in real time on the air. Okay. And along the way, I've learned a lot more about my belief system and my faith and than I knew when I started, and that's why we deploy it as actively as we do. But when I speak, it is not with any authority. It's with knowledge and experience that is, however, not infallible. And it's with the understanding that these understandings are what drive me and us to do the kind of show that we do. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. So... I'm, I'm tackling this question because I faced this exact circumstance, just in a different situation. But overall, outside of a couple of obvious things, um, your pastor declares, our new series is called Woke, and you should be. Get thee to a nunnery. Get out. Right? Okay. Or throw him out. Even better. Even That's- better. Kind yes. of where I'm at. Yes. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it, brother. <laughs> In fact, I'd like to, can I do the throwing? Volunteer. Yep, I'll All right. call you. Yeah, okay. Uh, or um, rethinking that whole Jesus was God thing. Yeah, no, 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 get out. Okay, I mean, obvious, clear violations of 2,000 years of orthodoxy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, short of that or malfeasance. Our church covered up the fact that the youth minister molested somebody. Right. Short of that, those two things, those are absolutes that don't require anybody to have a show on a platform of this magnitude. If you're any, if you've been a believer for five minutes, you know, those are minutes, those are moments you either get out or you get the people out that were doing it. Okay. But then there's gray areas that we get into relationships and experiences. How do we navigate those? And that's why I want to share this email because I face this exact same situation in a different context. John writes, I currently attend a fairly high-profile, non-denominational church in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. In fact, our church was recently featured by Megan Basham. She wrote that story about uh, what was going on uh, with wokeism in the church for the Daily Wire and was on our show recently. As she wrote, our church fired 20-plus teachers in its child development center, which is the preschool that the church runs during the week. And it's all because they refused to get the COVID vaccine. In addition, the church has gone back and forth on mask mandates based on whatever the current local order was. Their argument with regard to masks, like many, is that they are simply trying to be good citizens, to which I've always responded that our duty as citizens is to the Constitution first, to our elected leaders second. Just like our duty is to obey pastors and elders is is true, but when they are subordinate to obeying the word of God. And our duty as members of a church and as citizens of heaven is to disobey and call out any teaching or command that is in conflict with God's word. 
Under other circumstances, we would have simply left by now. But my wife and I love the people here. We have been heavily involved in the Awana ministry that my wife has helped to oversee um, for several years and the music ministry. I've taught in Sunday school. My wife has served in and led multiple aspects of the children's ministry, and our two oldest kids were dedicated at this church. Moreover, the church has played a powerful role in our married lives and in our family life. This is our church. I don't believe that God has given us the freedom to leave yet. I believe he has left us in there to fight for the soul of the church and for the people of the church. But I've had meetings with pastors and conversations with elders surrounding these issues. After the vaccine mandate they put into place for the Child Development Center, which they did not put in place for anyone else, I submitted a series of questions to the elder board. One of those questions was why they have given so much power to this chief of staff. The chief of staff is not an elder and he's not a pastor, yet they have fauci'd him, giving him seemingly sole control over decisions regarding COVID policies. Not surprisingly, he used to work for Senator Tom Tillis. For those of you that don't know, he, I mean, um, he makes Mitch McConnell look like Daniel Boone. Uh, when I submitted this nearly three-page letter to the elders, their response back to me was just three sentences. Take, talk to the chief of staff. If a church like this, which has been a stalwart for biblical inerrancy and has always shown a deep commitment to teaching and preaching God's word, can be so captivated by the spirit of the age that they can be acting like a cult, what's the point of even bothering with this church at all? So... The first church we ever belonged to was, a, at the time, very prominent, large, non-denominational church here in the Des Moines area. It's the church we got, we got converted in, we got baptized in, our first two children were dedicated in. Any of this sound familiar? Uh, we met our small group, and, and those people, even though we don't see them as much as we used to, are still some of the best friends we have ever had. Uh, I taught in that church. My wife served in the youth ministry of that church on staff for pay. Again, any of this sound familiar? So when I say I've faced, John, your exact situation or your exact dilemma in a different situation, I, I did. But our church never wanted to mature believers. It kept everything at a very surface level. That was one of the reasons why I taught a discipleship course so I could kind of, you know, pass on the things that were being taught to me as I was being discipled at that time. And we began to see declining attendance after a while. And the church had a new guy um, that had come in. He had been transferred in from a major mobile phone company as their district manager, if I recall. And, and, and they thought, hey, you know, you know what? Instead of like going to their elders and stuff, they went to this guy to say, hey, can you do a forensic audit of our church to help us find out why there's so much declining attendance? Well, lo and behold, the guy did do a forensic audit and he came back. Here's what he told them well, you guys don't disciple people in the word of God. You do a great job bringing people in that are, are estranged from God and, and introducing them to Christ. But then after a while, they want more solid food. And so they go somewhere else. And that's not just why attendance is down. That's why your giving's way down because it's always going to be the more mature of it believers that are going to do the majority of the giving. So of course they put his suggestions into practice and thanked him for his, no, they, they, they didn't do that. Actually, they shunned him and just kept doing business the way they had always done it. And I went to a meeting where this guy was going to present to our elders, who I found out at this meeting, had actually not been called to meet for like two years because this board of directors had been meeting in their place. So there's no elder oversight of the pastors. Okay, so who's holding who accountable here? Answer nobody. But I went to a meeting where these two sides were really going to hash it out between 
uh, in front of the elders, and a lot of people from the church came. And to make a long story short, much of what I heard that night disturbed me quite a bit. And I called uh, uh, one of my early mentors in the faith, who was actually on the staff of this church at the time, and knew, but, but was also disturbed by what was going on, had spoken out, and they kind of had frozen him out for doing so. And I told him, I don't know what to do. I mean, all our friends are here. I'm not sure what to do. And he asked me a question that cut me deep, Shrek, cut me deep. He said, Steve, you're on the radio. At the time, it was sports talk radio. You're on the radio every day talking to sports fans. If one of them emailed you and said, you know what? I really feel like it's time for me to get back to church. Would you recommend that they go to church where you go? And that was my reaction on the phone. Okay, for about that long, if not longer. And and then he finally said to me, then young man, you know what you need to do. So I'm not here, John. I I don't know your situation. Obviously, you guys are greatly invested in that congregation. And I mean, I, I, I don't know the answer. Here's what I do know, John. And I, and I would say this to everybody else facing a similar situation in a gray area that's not an absolute, they crossed a line, you cannot do that, that the word of God is 100% clear on. Because we're all trying to figure this out. We all are. I didn't agree with every decision my church made, and I've had that conversation with our pastor. But I love him for how he navigated it and that he tried to navigate it. He tried to figure it out. We got about 5,000 to go to our church. A lot of different opinions within that. He tried, we, we at least tried to navigate it. The minute, the minute they said we could reopen, we opened up, we were one of the first to reopen. We were the first large church in our city to have full in-person services. So it wasn't about whether I agreed with everything. It's about, do I agree that they're trying? They're trying to figure it out, that there's an earnestness and honesty here. Because I don't know all the accommodations. I don't even know the health history of the people on the staff. If people have had, have, you know, autoimmune deficiency or diabetes. You know, I don't know that in a congregation of 5,000 people. I just know Steve Dace's take. And so all I want to know, though, is are we trying? Are we trying here? Because if we're trying, then mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. And we'll all figure this, and we are truly in this. If we're trying, then we are truly all in this together. If we're not trying, then we're not. I I would be very disturbed that your pastor and elder board outsourced your attempt to get clarity to somebody outside of them. They are the chain of command. I'd be concerned about that. But that could also just be temporary COVID madness. I don't know. Again, I don't attend your church. But I would say this to all of you, because I've gotten this question quite a bit. And unless your dilemma has been really obvious, I've not answered it because it's not my position to. But to all of you that are wrestling with this, here is what I would encourage you with. Would you suggest unchurched friends and family go to your church? If the answer is no, then you're probably at the wrong church. And if the answer is yes, then, you know, it's a family and we endure up times and down times and sideways times because overall we understand the larger relationship at stake here. That would be the, outside of what God says churches should not obviously do or preach, if you're in this gray area right now during this challenging time, that would be something that I would use and suggest could help you be 
or navigate this. Would you suggest your unchurched friends and family go to church here? All right, I want to get Todd and Aaron's take on this really quick after I tell you about realestateagentsitrust.com in these unprecedented times. Bing. Make sure you go into the real estate market with an agent that you can trust, someone that knows they'd have to come in and take charge of your situation, but knows that you're really the one in charge. You just need their expertise and that they really have to apply that in working for you. But they also come with a fully vetted track record of success so that you can trust they will not just talk a good game, but give you the results you need when it matters most. Where would you find that agent? Well, the name kind of says it all, folks. Just head to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com, started by Glenn Beck and some of his friends because they ran into real estate agents. They found out the hard way they could not trust. They don't want that to happen to you, all right? And so that's why they created this site. Chances are the agent you'll run into might even be in this audience. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, any thoughts? Well, if what what's the way he phrased it? Being good citizens or good, good neighbors? That was the excuse given to him about, or the... Yes. The reason? Yes. Yeah. Um, if that's it, you just need to tell them, oh, we need to start out or you need to give me better. Because the same people telling you that are all usually the same citizens who also believe in abortion on demand. They don't know what a gender is. And they look over at Australia with bedroom eyes and say, man, I, I really wish we could be doing that. That's their definition of citizenry. And we keep trying to cater to them. There is a duty within the church, broadly speaking, to try to be good citizens. It, 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 it's undeniable. It's scriptural. Yep. yep. But they don't want to be citizens with us. They want to choke the life out of us. No, they want to subject you. Yeah, so therefore, yeah. you're not, you, you don't, you're also commanded not to bow to that at all, ever. So uh, you need to get more of a, you know, go to Nineveh and get up in some people's grills attitude than um, being good citizens. There's a hierarchy of truth at stake, and you ain't getting it. And I'm not specifically the name of the person we're talking about. But people who are locked into that devotion. If you find to, yourself in I, this dilemma. Because it's mean, another yeah. version of, I just want to be nice. That's an idol. Yes. And you, and, and you can't turn, a church cannot turn nice or citizenship into an idol Correct. any more than we can turn our love of that church and its nostalgic past exactly. into an idol that blinds us from what's going on right now. Exactly. Right? Aaron, you have a quick thought? You okay with that? Uh, I, I do, but I can't get it in here. Sorry about that, brother. Todd, <laughs> it's okay. We're going to blame it on Todd for yeah. talking too it much. It was my fault. All right, we'll come back with the overtime. It was actually all my fault. Uh, for the Blaze TV subscribers, for everybody else, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.